I did this trail run um, here in Boise. It's about an eight and a half mile loop um, with some pretty, pretty long climbs in it, but also some fun descents in it. And I went, I got to the top of this one climb and I, I've been there once before, but I got found, found it again. And it was just like really huge, just pile of rocks. Right. And it, it looked like a pile of rocks, but it's also potentially people come there and they put a rock on this pile, perhaps just symbolizing something they're letting go. Whether, whether that's a feeling of um, fear, doubt, or just surrendering something that's holding them back. Um, and so I, I grab a rock, I toss it on the pile, and I see that second I toss it on the pile, it, it hits the top stack and then it just kind of fractures in half. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, because so often these things that we carry around, we assign so much strength to them and they tend to control our lives, but really they don't have that strength. Really, you have the strength to control them. You have the strength to let it go. It's just a matter of letting those things go. Because the second you do, you're so much lighter and you're so much freer. And it's just a, a much more joyful way of living. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and we're on a mission to create a better world. We're doing this by encouraging everyone that crosses our path to become more of who they are. As my favorite book, the Bhagavad Gita states, it's better to fail at living at our own dharma than find success while living the dharma of another. Or as I've heard my co-host ask many times to our athletes, do you want to live the best version of yourself or the second best version of someone else? Bottom line, we are all here on purpose for a purpose, and each one of us plays a critical role in the fabric of humanity. We need us all, including me, to be brave enough to live what makes our hearts sing and to no longer deny the internal compass that is directing us, even if the pointer is going in a direction that doesn't make sense. Professional triathlete Danielle Dingman is our guest today, and I have heard her declare that she believes that she is doing what she is supposed to be doing in this life. And folks, she's got the resume to back it up. As a high school runner, Danielle was a six-time Florida state champion in track. She was collegiate All-American at Baylor University, and she qualified for the 2008 Olympic trials in the steeplechase. After college, Danielle went on to become a professional cyclist and eventually a professional triathlete in 2017, which was her first year of racing triathlon. Since turning pro, she has been no stranger to the podium, claiming her first professional win at Eagleman 70.3 in 2019. And earlier this year, Danielle snagged a second place finish at Ironman 70.3 Dubai, third place at Ironman 70.3 Campeche. But why she is here today is because we are going to smack down, because we love to do that, her experience taking the win at the Bear Lake Brawl, which thanks to the PTO was brought to the forefront of the tri triathlon community in the last few weeks, calling pros from all over to pack their bags and race. We are grateful to have this champion with us today, and we're excited to dive in. Danielle, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, so you are fresh off this race. It's Friday. You rate the race was was it? I think it was Saturday, right? Saturday, Saturday right? race. Yes, yes it All was right. on Saturday. So for um, for those that because we have some, a lot of straight up runners that listen to this podcast as well. So for those who don't know what the PTO is, can you give them a little information on that and why they're so important to triathlon? Yeah. So the Professional Triathletes Organization is 
really working to raise triathlon to the next level. You know, you, we have like golf and tennis who, you know, early on weren't quite as recognized until some organizations came in and really um, enhanced it and gave it a lot of uh, coverage that the sports deserve. And so the same way, you know, triathlon is, it is exciting. Um, but, you know, when people think of triathlon, they think the one thing that comes to their mind is Kona, right? But there's a lot more that goes on in triathlon besides that. And so the PTO has really been putting a lot of time and resources into elevating um, triathlon and in supporting the professional triathletes that are, that are in it. Um, because, you know, as, as pros, I mean, it's, it is tough to make it in triathlon. Um, primarily one, there's not really like a guidebook on how to do it. Um, but then, you know, finding sponsors and figuring out how to make a living at it is challenging, but the PTO is really, um, been doing a job of pooling resources and people, um, to make it easier for professional triathletes to make it, I guess you could say. Yeah. So this was the first pro race on American soil since, uh, since before pre COVID times. And, uh, tell us when you got the news that this was going to happen and, and, uh, how long was that before you realized like, Oh my God, I'm racing. Yeah. I found out about the Bear Lake brawl about two weeks prior to the race. So it was a, a bit of a shock. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially cause I had been nursing actually a quad issue for a while. Um, so I had backed off training just to let it heal. And so when I heard about it, I'm like, I don't really feel quite as ready as if, if you had asked me earlier this summer, <laughs> but Hey, you know what? It's racing. We're doing this for fun. So let's go do it. Did you get a, a little jump in your heart when they said that they were going to race? Were you like, oh, like super uh, anxiety? Yeah. That's anxiety. a good way to put it. <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. And, you, and it's so close. It's so, is it close to where you live or? Yeah. It's, it was like than, a five hour drive. Okay. So not too bad. So it no. wasn't in, you didn't even have it an awareness that the race was even existing. Well, actually this is one that my husband and I, um, Andrew, we had talked about like pre COVID times, um, which that's interesting. I guess our world's now going to be divided yeah. in like pre COVID post COVID. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yep. Yeah. So we, he had told me about it and said, you know, this is just a good local race to go to. I mean, it's not really, um, to technical like pro field, but you can go and race and it's just good to get out, kind of have some fun with it. Um, but you know, with, with COVID and everything, we had just, everything was just off the schedule. So it completely fell off our radar until the PTO said, Hey, we're going to, um, support this if you want to come out. And are you, um, how have you kept like your momentum going during like the shutdown? Cause I've listened to a few podcasts mm -hmm. with you coming off of Dubai and you had a, you know, like, like most pros, you had like a big schedule and you had to let that go, but keeping that momentum going so that when a race popped up, you were, you were ready to do that. And yeah. so how did you keep that going? And were there times where you're just like questioning it all? Yeah, good question. So I feel like I'm a little bit unlike a lot of the pros because I did have some early season racing. Um, most people, I mean, this literally was their first race this year. Um, and so I was 
really grateful to have Dubai and Campeche under my belt. And so when COVID came around, I'm like, you know what, that's fine. Like, I'm actually okay with taking a little bit of a break right now. Um, Campeche was a really hard race. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to take a few weeks of downtime and then we'll just kind of see how all this pans out. Well, this whole thing's extended a lot longer than anybody would have hoped. Um, and so I would say, um, you know, it, it did get tough at a, a few times, um, but I did start working with a new coach in just after Campeche in um, the beginning of April. I'm working with Adam Zuko of uh, Superfly Coaching and then um, also started working with a new strength coach. Um, that's a Cooper with Delta Phi Performance. And so kind of having those new people on the team was just kind of like, okay, let's just focus on the training. Um, you know, you, obviously you want to perform well for a new coaching staff and kind of stay focused on what they're having you do. Um, so that was a, one of the ways that I was staying focused. And then um, Andrew and I actually built a gym in our garage. Thankfully, we able we were able to place some orders for some equipment uh, before the rest of the world decided to build garage gyms. Um, I think we placed an order for like a barbell that took like several months to finally arrive. Um, just cause everybody was like, well, gyms are closed, so let's build our own. Um, so those few factors helped and you just kind of also, I just kept telling myself, you know, racing will happen and when it will happen, you'll be ready. Um, I have seen this break in racing kind of as a really good opportunity to get stronger. We're not often granted these really long breaks in time just to train. Um, usually you're going from one race to the next, or maybe you have like 10 weeks between the next race, but that's only 10 weeks. That's not months. And so, you know, my coaches said that I've made years of progress in this break that we've had. So that's, that's been encouraging. Yeah. Awesome. That's amazing that, I mean, and, and how is that like put, putting that in your back pocket? Like you've made years <laughs> of progress. And you, I mean, I think mm -hmm. that there's been so many gifts that have come out of this experience that we've all shared together. Uh, and those who have kept going have really honored, you know, their dreams throughout shutdown, making it happen, finding a way. I think that those are the people like yourself that are really able to realize the gifts that we've been, that we've been really served up. It's, it's our choice to kind of go after them or not, right? It's always our choice to, to look at, I've heard you call yourself a bit of an optimist, um, mm -hmm. it, that it's always our choice to, how we're going to look at it, you know, either the light or, or mm -hmm. the dark of it. So let's talk about the race. So you had about two weeks before you knew you were going to race. Did anything in training change? I mean, all of a sudden you got to fit a taper in there. What did that look like those two weeks? Um, <laughs> Can I swim more? Because, <laughs> yeah, the swimming's been um, kind of non-existent in comparison to normal swim load just because of pools not having the same access as before. Um, so I decided to actually it, – the pool that I had normally – I'd normally go to um, has a restriction of only three 45-minute sessions a week. And so – I mean, that's better than nothing, but for me, having swim as a weakness, it's, I need more time than that. And so I actually ended up canceling that pool membership and I found another one that's about 35 minutes away, which is a bit longer than I'd prefer to drive, but, um, it doesn't have any restrictions. And so I, um, 
joined that pool and I, you know, kind of got in some frantic speed sessions to try to get some work in. Um, but then other than that, you know, there was, uh, not, not too much of change. You know, I was in decent, um, fitness with the, the bike and the run. So just kind of, like you said, did a little bit of a taper and just got to feeling, um, as fresh as possible. And knowing that the race would really come down to mindset. Oh, yeah, we love that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think it really did because conditions were tough that day. So <laughs> yeah, take us through your race morning. What does your race morning look like? What's your, what's your yeah. eating look like? How, how do you feel when you wake up? Do you have any practices that you like to do prior to, um, the start? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, generally I sleep terribly the night before a race. And so I, emphasize two nights before as the night to really get rest. Um, just because the night before I, you know, you just have all that pre-race jitters, excitement. It's like every little, uh, movement, you know, it'll wake me up. And so I, instead of letting that bother me, it's just kind of accepted. It is how it is. And so when you wake up that morning, it's like, regardless how much sleep you got, you know, you're ready. You just put that behind you and you keep moving forward. Um, so for, uh, breakfast every day, I always have oatmeal with some peanut butter, a little bit of brown sugar, um, and some salt. And so I, I don't change up anything really on race day. I just have the same thing, but then I also add in some sort of like, uh, liquid calories just to make sure I'm kind of topping off the store, the stores, because it is hard for me to eat on race morning. Um, because I am, you know, I have those pre-race jitters or excitement, I guess you could call it. Um, so did that and then I knew it was going to be cold. So I did try to emphasize getting in a few extra calories, um, which I don't know that I still got in enough because there was a lot of shivering on the day. Um, and then, so after, after breakfast, we just headed on down to the race venue and this race venue was really kind of unlike any of the others that I've participated in as a pro, just because it is a local grassroots race. And so a lot of the, the, the racking system was just racks and almost like go where you want. <laughs> I mean, we did have a designated area, but there were so many pros to fit in this space. It just kind of turned into kind of go wherever you want to go. Um, which was kind of cool being racked like with the men and the women side by side. Um, you know, this is funny too. I, I tend to do really stupid things and make, <laughs> make a fool out of myself. Um, so I was putting my shoes, clipping my shoes in on my bike so I can do, you know, like a flying mount. Um, but in the process of doing that, I managed to completely just fall over with all the other pros standing there. <laughs> and then all I could say was hashtag pro style. And then <laughs> some guy was like, oh, your chain's off. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> I just couldn't stop laughing at myself. So what was the energy like for, you know, were the, were the pros all like just super excited with just to be in, in gratitude of being out there and able to race? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, we had a meeting together the day before, um, Charles Adamo, the executive chairman of the PTO actually came to the race. And so we actually got to meet with him. Um, and you know, there was a lot of gratitude for having an opportunity to race. Uh, and then that morning, I think it was just kind of like, 
this is unlike any, like most transition areas or most races, but we're all just going to deal with it. We're all just going to do the best that we can, um, and just race hard. So that's what it kind of felt like. Did you know like what the weather was coming into it? Cause I think, was it the day before was pretty nice or I'm not the day quite before sure. But... And the day after were both beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So did you know that there was going to be a shift in that weather? And because I, I, I think this is an important piece because we see a lot of people, perhaps not so much pros that we've mm-hmm. talked to, but, um, but age groupers get so caught, we, they can get so caught up in water temperatures and weather and, yeah. and these are things we can't control. Mm-mm. So how did you, did you know that the weather was going to turn prior yeah. to Saturday? So sometime earlier in the week, we checked the weather and saw the chance of rain was kind of around like 50% or so. So I'm like, okay, it might rain. It might not. I tend to not put a whole ton of stock in the weather channel app because it changes, right? Weather, it can change. And so I was like, okay, well, it it is what it is right now. We'll see what happens on race day. Um, So it was cold. So I made sure I brought some extra uh, layers um, to wear like before the race uh, just to make sure I didn't get too chilled. And then um, I also brought like a throwaway towel, which I didn't use, but I should have. I kind of forgot about it, but I did bring a throwaway towel just to have over my shoulders, um, like even just standing in the wetsuit on the beach, um, just to try to stay warm. But, uh, yeah, so the conditions were definitely less than ideal. And when I was standing on the beach and we were just waiting there and there was a delay and then one of the buoys was being swept out into the middle of the pond and so, or pond, the lake, I was going to say ocean lake. So one of the buoys is being swept off. Um, it's looked like an ocean. How was it? It was swept, it swept out to sea. And so they changed the course multiple times. And then there was the sheriff there and the sheriff's like, no, we don't really want you to have the race because the risk is high. And so they changed it again to where the swim was predominantly in a fairly shallow area. So that if you needed to stand up or get back to shore, you could do that um, safely. And in standing there with the wind just kind of like battering us and the water was freezing, um, there was people that were saying, I don't want to do this. I just want to go home. It's not worth it to me. And I was like, I don't want to listen to that. So I physically would have had to remove myself from those peoples and from that, what, what they were saying, just so that I could get myself in the right headspace because I did want to be there regardless of what the conditions were. I wanted to race and I wanted to race to win. And I didn't want to put those um, thoughts in my mind ahead of time. Yeah. That's so key. You get, sometimes you really just have to remove yourself from the environment. Mm-hmm. We give that guidance to our athletes yeah. all the time, like get out of there. The environment yeah. is, is stronger than your will. So it's it, for most people and you're a very motivated person, but most people would succumb to that energy and, and join that vibe, that, that, mm-hmm. that discussion and jump on board because it's the safe route, you know, it's the safer route, you guess you could say, um, mm-hmm. which is, which is what the mind wants to do. It wants to keep us safe for the most part, wants to keep us comfortable. But it, it sounds like you just had a switch where it's like, okay, this is not in alignment <laughs> with where I want to go. So right. do you do, do you have, do you do mindset work? Do you train the mind in a specific way outside of just on the, on the trainer? 
So one of the key things that I do, I'll say specifically leading up to a race and depending which race it is and, um, you know, what my goals are for that race, I actually spend quite a bit of time. Generally, it's like right before I fall asleep, just right before bed, I will visualize every part of every part of it from the time that I show up, I rack my bike, um, I mount the bike, I'm on the bike. And then, the, and then I actually visualize the things that I'm thinking when I'm on the bike, how I'm feeling, how I want to feel. I visualize the clean dismount, the transition, the run, catching up to people, passing people. And then I even visualize like how I feel or how I want to feel when I finish the race. And obviously as I get closer to that race, it becomes a little bit more thorough And I really feel like that's been really helpful. Um, And it's, it's, it's one of the biggest things is like, I I knew what I like for Dubai, for example, I knew that that the finish of that race was going to be really positive. I knew I was going to feel really good when I crossed that finish line. I knew that I was going to have given everything I had to do well in that race. Obviously, I didn't know exactly what my finish would be, but I knew how I wanted to feel. Generally, um, meeting my goals for that correlate with how I'm feeling, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's kind of this the same thing here. Um, there, I was really motivated before this race because um, – you know, I felt kind of like an underdog going in, right? If you look at some of the rankings that the PTO has developed, you know, I'm ranked 98 and I'm going against girls that are ranked in the top um, 10 and 20, right? And so I'm like, you know, rankings don't mean anything. Like I know I'm strong, I know I'm fit, and I know I'm going to go out there and compete and perform well. So don't underestimate me. That was kind of my motivation when I had going into it. So let's uh, let's talk about the swim as as someone who has spoken about not not having the swim being your strength. You, you were a professional cyclist, um, longtime runner. Uh, you clearly have the legs. You're going into the swim now with course has been like reorganized a couple of times, and I've heard people say it was like the the craziest swim of their life. Did did you feel the same way? You're saying uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it, it definitely was crazy. It's like they just threw you in this gigantic washing machine and said, good luck. <laughs> I, at most races, they probably would have just canceled the swim. But um, thankfully, where the swim was, uh, like I said, you could put your feet down if you felt uncomfortable um, in most of it and kind of get your bearings. And so the swim, like there was kind of a long run in about knee to thigh high water to the first buoy. And then even at the first buoy, there was still, it was still pretty shallow. So there was kind of um, a lot of like dolphin diving or just kind of like getting your bearings uh, with everything. And the first, we had to do like three out and backs, which kind of creates chaos when you have some people swimming one direction and then other people swimming the other direction. So there is a lot of like bumping heads. Um, but yeah, the first, it was, I think for everybody, there was just kind of this sense of like, this is really cold. I'm also at altitude. 
this is crazy, you know? So it's like, you have to, like, I, for me, I just had to let some of that, the feelings go. Like you let them come, you deal with it, you do what you can in the moment, and then you just let it go. Cause it, it does get better if you can just get past that feeling. So the water's choppy, the wind is blowing, you got people going in a couple different directions. You're doing this multi-lap. I mean, like three loops on the swim for half Ironman distances. That's a lot of loops. Do you also have like the age groupers in there too at this point? Or did, was there a big space between pros going and age groupers going? There wasn't a big space. We were told originally we would have 10 seconds in between each pro, right? So we there was a random draw. We were all assigned numbers. I was number 10. Um, so basically we just lined up, you know, one through whatever on the beach and they, um, went to the first person. Okay. What number are you? Number one. And they said the next person, what number are you Two. Okay. Go number three, go number four, go. So it was more of like two to three seconds in between us. Um, which meant that we could actually like a group was formed. You know, I, I ran pretty quickly into the water so I could try to get to most of the people and swim with people. Um, so that was, that was good that we didn't actually have a full 10 seconds, but then because of that, you know, the men were pretty much right on top of us because the men went after us and then they sent the age groupers off. So the first loop was a little bit spaced out, but then, um, by loop two, I mean, everybody was on the course. So yeah, it was Sounds like a, pretty chaotic. Like a, yeah, like a swimming mosh pit. <laughs> like being yes. on being on the floor of, at a concert, but like being yes. in water and swimming. <laughs> Sounds I think nuts. And maybe the swimming mosh pit would be the only place that I'd be okay with like crowd surfing. Yeah. <laughs> you can Seriously. just carry me, that's fine. <laughs> did you were you able to find a groove? Did you find some feet? Were you in a group? Like did you have flow in there in the chaos? Uh, it was tough to establish flow on the way out just because it seemed like the, that the way out was where you had like the wind and the wind and the waves in your face. Um, but you know, there were, I, I was still around some of the other pros, uh, the pro women. So I felt, found that that was encouraging that like, okay, I'm not the only person out here that's struggling. Um, and then the way back, we had a bit of, uh, the, a push, I guess, um, and so the way back was easier to find more rhythm than it was on the way out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just, it was tough. <laughs> yeah. Happy to survive it. Yes. <laughs> Coming out of, were you super excited to hit land and just get out and, and run to T2, yes. T1? Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. And then my feet were frozen and then the, it was a very long run on like the first part was dirt, but then it was a bunch of gravel. And so like even to this day, I'm, my arches are still killing me <laughs> from running on frozen feet on rocks. Yeah. Okay. This is like hard. Sucks. Talk about getting back, like <laughs> this is grassroots, triathlon, grassroots yeah. race, but like really getting back to, to your, yeah. the roots, right? Like really kind of mm -hmm. gnarly, gnarly race. Um, so I think you came out of the water seventh. I think so. I don't have a clue, quite okay. honestly. <laughs> I mean, the results are interesting. Like some people have full results, some people don't. But I think it said you were out seventh, but I'm, I'm not. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. So uh, freezing cold. Now you're going to get on the bike soaking wet. And the wind is mm -hmm. blowing. And now the rain is coming. Well, not um, yet. The rain hasn't started yet. Okay. So tell us about, yeah, the bike. Because eventually you take the lead on the bike. 
Uh, I was close to it. I came in second on the bike. But um, let's see here. So getting to the bike in transition, you know, I'm thankful to be getting on the bike, right? Because that's just kind of like my bread and butter. That's where I kind of spend time doing a lot of work, playing catch up. Um, But so I got, I got my bike. I got through, (laughs) it was funny. So we actually had to run with our bikes over this like gravel parking lot. And then we had to go over this cattle guard. (laughs) I'm just thankful they actually put a piece of like plywood over the cattle guard because that would have been really interesting to try to run across. (laughs) In bike Um, shoes. Well, yeah, or barefoot. Oh, yeah, barefoot. At this point, so I'm still barefoot. Um, And so then I go to like mount the bike, but I completely did not trust my legs because they were, it just felt so frozen. So it wasn't really like a standard normal mount that I do. It was just a mess. It took me a long time to actually get on the bike and get rolling. (laughs) But it is what it is. I got on the bike. And then the first, um, I'd say about 20 miles, 20 to 25 miles was really fast. We had a killer tailwind, um, and I, I averaged nearly 30 miles an hour for the first 40K. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But I also knew that everybody else was going fast at this section because everybody can ride really fast with the tailwind, right? And so my chances of catching anybody in that section were probably going to be slim. And so I was okay with that. I just tried to, you know, uh, keep focused on what I was doing, Um staying arrow, trying to get some nutrition in. Uh, and then the rain really started around mile, I would say like about 20, 25, uh, or 30 or so is when the rain, uh, really started coming in strong. And we had, and this is also when we're headed on the opposite side of the lake, kind of back towards transition. Um, the course is like one loop around this big lake. And so, we were getting just battered by these crosswinds, um, which made it really hard to get in normal nutrition on the bike because either your hands are frozen or you're just trying to like hang on for dear life and not get swept into a ditch. <laughs> um, and so, but you know, the interesting part is, you know, I would, I would try to get down into the arrow position and I, and I, I'd be fine, but I noticed, you know, my speeds weren't as fast is I felt like they could have been if I was just like sitting up and was more stable. And so I think it's important, you know, to keep things into perspective because a lot of times in those types of conditions, people are like, just stay arrow, just stay tucked. But there's, you know, even risking potentially getting swept off the road or not seeing a, um, you know, a pothole or something ahead of you. Um, Cause like, when I noticed that when I sat up on my handlebars and still tried to stay tucked, I was going faster than I was if I was an arrow. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause it's all about speed, you know? And so that's kind of what I tried to stay focused on. And so it was that back stretch that I, um, caught up with a few of the girls, uh, and then ended up coming into transition second off the bike. And I think with sky leading the race at that point, Yes, she came in first. Okay, yeah, and so then you mm-hmm. came in second. What's your headspace like out there with crosswinds and rain and cold and, mm-hmm. you know, adjusting your position? And wh- what's your headspace like? Um, so I was just trying to stay as relaxed as possible, right? And so that just meant, like, taking a lot of just deep breaths 
Because the more tense that you are in those types of conditions, the more likely you are to do something stupid with your steering, right? Because if you're tense through your shoulders, that just goes through your arms and then it goes into your bike. And then everything's stiff and you're more jerky. And so if you can really focus on just keeping like your shoulders and your arms really relaxed, um, it's really going to go a long way in helping you find some of that comfort and actually safety on the bike. Yeah. So I think I was, that's amazing yeah. advice. And confidence, right? Because you're, you are a cyclist. You were a cyclist before yes. coming in. So do you have, do you have that, that, just that edge that the mindset, just knowing the things that you just described, like being able to, to manage a bike in extreme conditions, just having that which of confidence? I would say, um, I'd say so, yes. But at the same time, when you have really irregular wind gust, it still mm. makes you pretty nervy. Um, and so, yeah, there's a bit of confidence, but then at the same time, it just goes with experience. Like Campeche this past year was, I mean, that was just insane winds. Um, I th- potentially worse than this weekend. So I kind of was like, you know, I've dealt with this before and you, you know, I, I can do this now. Um, and then on the bike, you know, I was also thinking, I'm like, you know, everybody else is going through this. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of who goes through this stronger. Right. And I just kind of kept telling myself, you know, I'm faster right now. Like, do I really know if I'm faster? I don't know. But I was telling myself these things like I'm faster. I want this more like, I'm, I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to do this better. I mean, do I know that or not? I don't know, but it just gave me confidence in that moment to really focus on getting to that bike as the end of the bike as quickly as possible. Yeah. Well, you know, the body's going to follow the mind. So Mm -hmm. if you're the person that's like, I don't want to do this, this isn't worth it to me to like your body is, your body's not going to show up for that type of attitude. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, I'm stronger, I want this more the body's going to be like, Oh, okay. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it can be, it can be your teammate or it can be your opponent. It's, and I think it really is dictated in our mindset. So how grateful were you to get off the bike and then just be like, Oh my God, (laughs) like now I get to run. Game on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the last few miles of the bike, I don't know if the temperature dropped or what it was, but man, it got really cold. So I was just like shivering, for the first time ever, I peed on the bike. And so I don't know. Yay. That's like the, yeah, the body's <laughs> way to compensate for the the cold and everything. Um, but I was nervous getting off the bike. I'm like, okay, legs, I hope you work. I hope I can feel my feet. <laughs> and so um, thankfully I got off the bike okay. It probably didn't look pretty, but I got off the bike safely. <laughs> and then when I got to the run, well, when I got to transition, I actually sat down in transition to put my shoes on, which I've never done that before either. But it's my legs were so cold and my feet were so cold, it was hard to put the shoes on. So I just, I just right away, I just sat down and put my shoes on, uh, which was a pretty good decision because I heard there was a lot of people that were taking a lot of time trying to put their shoes on because their feet were so cold, but they were trying to do that standing up. Mm. Um, so I think that's just important also is just to kind of know what your body needs and to really listen to it um, so that you can save time. And so when I got onto the run, someone told me that I was only 30 seconds behind Sky, And I'm like, is that right? Because I could have sworn I saw her and I counted that she was like seven minutes up the road. So I think I saw like a sky lookalike or something. 
Because <laughs> when I got on the run, they said 30 seconds. I'm like, really? And then sure enough, she was right there. And I made a pass um, pretty early on in the run. Nice, nice. Um, and I know uh, Talbot Cox was on the scene doing his thing, which is totally why he's on this earth, right? It's just be up, up in in front. And I wanted to ask you, like, how how is that? That's kind of... Um, we don't usually get to see the pro race like that. Like, Hey, how you feeling? You know, what's going on? He's, you're mm-hmm. like in it. You're like pushing, you're going for the win. And here's Talbot, like asking you questions. Like, was that exciting? Was it annoying? Was it just like, Oh my, Oh my God, this is just, this whole experience is just off the charts. Out yeah. Of the yeah. It was pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I don't know. He just started asking questions and I started answering. And then I'm like, I hope, I hope I didn't say anything stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cause you're like, you don't really have your right, wits about right. you. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, don't sound out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> composed. Totally composed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a, as spectators, cause we were kind of following that coverage, right? Like everybody's excited that we get to see some pros racing. We, we loved it. Like I love the kind of get, in your, I guess it's kind of like get in your face, but it's like right mm-hmm. in the middle of the action. And, and just to see like that, uh, that you guys are, you know, you guys are experiencing the, the same thing that we're all experiencing just mm-hmm. at a different pace, just in a, in a different, uh, group, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I thought it was really cool. I liked how the PTO allowed him in mm-hmm. there and, and allowed him to get in there. So let's talk about the run. How did you feel on the run? Because I'm thinking, I think it's amazing that you peed on the bike, that your, <laughs> that your body had anything extra to like expel. Cause mm-hmm. I would think that calories were low that day. Mm-hmm. Um, hard to take it in when it's cold. So how are you feeling on the run? So the first, uh, well, going into the run, I really just wanted to monitor my breathing and cadence, right? Just to kind of run off of feel and not so much worry about pace because I knew, um, you know, being in altitude was going to be a different for me, right? Uh, whether more challenging or not, I knew it was just going to be a little bit different. And so I really just wanted to try to find and establish a rhythm early on, kind of let my body dictate pace. And so when I saw the first mile go to, go across, it was about a six minute mile. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a lot faster than I, you know, wanted to go, but it's fine. Or whatever. So I'll just keep running. And so the next mile, like 558, the next one, like 58. I'm like, okay, wow. Okay. So this is going a lot better than I expected. I'm feeling really good. Um, and then as I approached the turnaround, uh, the uh, things kind of took a turn. <laughs> um, I, the lack of nutrition definitely caught up with me. It just, uh, kind of became just more challenging to maintain that same pace. But, um, it wasn't so much my legs. I could just feel it just kind of a total body fatigue. My brain felt like it was just like, I wanted to go to sleep almost. Mm. I don't know if you ever felt that way, but mm-hmm. it's like, I just want to like lay down in the pitch and go to sleep. <laughs> um, and I was just kind of like lightheaded and I felt like I couldn't turn my head because if I did, it would just start spinning. And mm. so it was just, it became a matter of just stay focused you're going to get there. I knew I had a really significant lead on second place. So I didn't have to worry as much about my pace. I just had to really get myself to the finish line. Were there, were there aid stations 
available on this in this race or um yes they they were um there weren't many um you know we're generally accustomed to maybe an aid station every mile Uh, but with as cold as it was it wasn't really needed to be that frequent Um, but they had like water cups and some gatorade cups on a table so you just had to like grab it off the table there were some tables where people were passing them out but more often than not, you just had to like run past it or walk past it and just grab one without <laughs> knocking everything else over. Um, but I could, yeah, so it was water and Gatorade, but I could tell I was really kind of wanting Coke um, or something like that out there. That I think that would have helped out a lot. Did you have, did you carry anything, any base? Did you bring any base products with you? Um, yeah. So I had a flask um, that had about 400 calories in it, but then at some point my body stopped accepting the nutrition, uh, just kind of started vomiting it up. And so I only consumed maybe 200 calories on the run, uh, just because every time I took a swig of it, it just kind of wanted to throw it back up. And I think part of that was just, you know, the stress that the body had gone through up until that point. I, I honestly think it could have been anything that I tried to consume. My body wouldn't have really wanted it. I think it shows how important, um, cola is on the core course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I use it I use it religiously on the run. Like I can't wait to get to the run to use the cola because mm-hmm. I feel like that's my my main fuel source. But yeah, it definitely um it definitely adds a twist to to the whole day when 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 your body is revolting. Like you you can't get the nutrition in to pull mm-hmm. yourself through. So how do you pull yourself up out of that out of that feeling, right? Not attached to the feeling, like keep them separate. Yeah. So on the run, um, thankfully I ended up running alongside one of the male pros, Jesse Vondracek. And he, um, he was, he was already in a money spot and he, you know, wasn't moving up or anything at that point, I think, cause like the person in front of him was like way ahead. And so he was happy where he was. So he actually just decided to run with me and he started telling me stories and we just kind of started talking. Um, so that quite honestly, that helped. It kind of helped take my mind off of what I was feeling. Cause I think if I was just out there by myself, I just would have been really, really extra hard. Yeah. Well, uh, do you know what kind of leads you had on sky at this point? Yeah. So, um, Jocelyn McCauley was out there. She actually, um, went to the race. Um, she didn't, she didn't finish, but she actually, um, that that was because, um, the cold would have really affected her, um, much more than others. And so she decided for her safety, she needed to pull out. But what she did, um, is that she got back out on the course and she was giving some run splits and run times and places to people. And that was really helpful to have that voice out there. And so she told me that I um, had about two and a half minutes up on Sky. Nice. That's, Mm -hmm. that feels good. How many, you said you took only about 200 calories in on the run. What do you think you took in on the bike? On the bike, I had probably about 800 calories, which is pretty good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think your bike split was just over two hours, two o two o eight or something like that, um, which is pretty pretty darn fast on a mm-hmm. super tough windy day. Okay, so you got the lead. You're 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 running with a storyteller. Like things <laughs> things are going things are going pretty darn well for you, and uh, and you take the win. So when I mean two and a half miles. I mean two and a half minute lead. But you still have miles to go. Anything can happen, right? You, you, 
But when do you feel like I've got, I've got this, like, I'm going to, I'm taking this. Yeah. Quite honestly, the second that I, um, stepped into that lead position, I felt that way. Um, you know, the latter half was challenging, but I also knew that other people were dealing with the same feelings. And so I wasn't really too concerned about people, um, running significantly faster to catch me. I think it was just like, you just have to get yourself to the finish line. Cause if you can get yourself to the finish line, you'll have the win. You just don't stop running. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so tell us about the finish line. Like how did that feel to just be done with this crazy day? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. The finish line was really, um, let's say uneventful. It wasn't <laughs> like, generally there's like, you know, a big balloon banner thing or like a finishing take, but it was just kind of like a timing mat. <laughs> it was like, okay, you're done now. Oh, thanks. And yeah. And you know, I actually decided I'm like, I'm just going to walk across the finish line just because I can, and I'm tired of running. <laughs> and so I, I did. And then Andrew um, was there right there at the finish line. And so I just collapsed right into his arms and it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. How did you, I mean, your body definitely was in a deficit with the effort, with the conditions, the shivering. I mean, there's so much that the body's doing to keep you stabilized uh, as you continue to push, especially in conditions like that. Mm -hmm. So what does your recovery look like? How did you recover from that? Were you able to eat pretty close to the mm -hmm. finish or? Um, so I actually had like a protein shake or something that was in the car, um, which it took a while to actually get to that, uh, just with like some post-race interviews and pictures and whatnot. Um, just fine. So I think I got that in like maybe within an hour after the race. Uh, and then we had a big pizza later, which was really great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't actually remember everything, but, um, I just made sure that I had that protein drink shortly after the race. Yeah. You and Sam, Sam was the other, uh, yeah. the mm -hmm. winner. Have, did you interact with him at all at the finish line? Cause he's yeah, quite, we did. quite a bit of a character. Did you know him before? Um, a little bit? Yes. Um, you know, Sam's a really great person. He has a really great personality. Um, I think, um, there's some that think that he comes across as arrogant, but really he's just confident. And I think that he's doing a lot for the sport in regards to just raising visibility. Cause he's a lot of fun to watch. He's, he's funny. Um, but he backs up what he says at the same time, which is, uh, which is great. And so he's just a really nice, really nice person. Yeah. He's so, he's so, yeah, we had him on the podcast, um, and he's been in the sport like pr pretty much all his life. This is what he knows. And he travels mm -hmm. with his family and he lives with his mom and dad. And he's mm -hmm. just got this, um, he's got this innocence, but yes, he's got this like boldness to him, but he's got the confidence. And I think what we see mostly is his age, right? Because he's young. And so we expect it to be like, well, we haven't proven anything yet. But each time he goes out and puts his um, body and mind to the, to the test, he's accomplishing much more than a lot of people would even attempt to do. So he's willing to fail, which I think is, yeah. is quite a big um, value in, in an endurance athlete. Um, do you see his career? I just want to touch on Sam. Do you see his progression continually, continually rising? And, oh, absolutely. I think yeah. if he stays healthy and is smart about his training, he's absolutely going to um, do really well in the sport. 
Yeah, he's super sweet. And you have a career ahead of you too. I mean, you've been an athlete your whole life, but really 2020 is what your third full year of mm -hmm. racing triathlon. So mm -hmm. um, I think you're onto something. And I have heard you say that like, you're, you're supposed, you feel like you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do. And mm -hmm. I know how that feels. Um, but how would you describe that? Yeah. Like when you just like, you're just doing what you're supposed to do here. You know, uh, being a, a competitive athlete, it doesn't matter what sports you're in. Um, a lot of times it's you versus the other person. Right. But this journey for me is really, it's me versus me. Because for uh, my, all my life that I can remember, I've always wanted to be a professional athlete. I didn't care what sport it was going to be in. I just love competing. Um, and triathlon is the vehicle in which I get to compete. Um, and there have been many kind of, I don't know how to say, I don't know if it's roadblocks, diversions, injuries, depression, just a lot of different things that have attempted to steal my joy in what I'm doing and where I want to go. And so I've just come to the point where it's just like enough's enough. That's not part of my life. This is what I'm doing and I'm owning it and I'm not allowing those fears, those um, anxieties, those burdens, whatever it is. I'm not letting those things stop me from going where I want to go. And so I think that's just, uh, that's really important for me. And, you know, I'm really thankful that I have, um, my husband, Andrew, we just got married um, a couple of weeks ago, too. <laughs> um, and he's just been really supportive, really supportive through all of this and has, you know, it's really just allowing me to live the dreams that I feel like I've been given to live. So, And there's always going to be those, let's call them opportunities. That's what we like to call them, like big mm -hmm. opportunities. Um <laughs> But there's always going to be opportunities, so it's 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 we're never ever going to get rid of them. But we can we can work on how we react to them. We can work on yeah. our relationship to them and use them like like you did, like use them to gain power and strength and confidence in mm -hmm. allowing yourself to do what you love. Because there's going to constantly be things out there that saying like you're mm -hmm. not you, you're not good enough, you're not fast exactly. enough, you're not smart enough, right? And if we continually like give in to them or even give in to a few of them, we're going to be backpedaling. So we yeah. owe it to ourselves. We owe it. Exactly. And you know, it's funny. So I went on this run yesterday and I posted it in my story. Um, I did this trail run um, here in Boise. It's about an eight and a half mile loop um, with some pretty, pretty long climbs in it, but also some fun descents in it. And I went, I got to the top of this one climb and I've, I've been there once before, but I got found, found it again. And it was just like really huge, just pile of rocks. Right. And it, it looked like, um, you know, to me, it's a, a pile of rocks, but it's also potentially people come there and they put a rock on this pile, perhaps just symbolizing something they're letting go. Whether, whether that's a feeling of, um, fear, doubt, or just surrendering something that's holding them back. Um, and so I, I grab a rock, I toss it on the pile, and I see that second I toss it on the pile, it, it hits the top stack, and then it just kind of fractures in half. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know, because so often these things that we carry around, we assign so much strength to them, and they tend to control our lives, but really 
they don't have that strength. Really, you have the strength to control them. You have the strength to let it go. It's just a matter of letting those things go. Because the second you do, you're so much lighter and you're so much freer. Uh, and it's just uh, a much more joyful way of living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just because you're you're living like your purpose or you're living your dream, whatever languaging we want to put around it, um, and I, I would even argue that when you do do that, the the mountains that you're going to be asked to move are really big, <laughs> like that that the obstacles that you are going to face along the way are perhaps bigger than if you chose another way to live that was a little bit safer and a little bit smaller and not so mm -hmm. big and brave and vulnerable. So but I appreciate so much people like you that are that are doing it. And we know very well um, and for our own relevant path that that it can be really it can bring you to your knees. And mm -hmm. um, I want to encourage everyone to just kind of Google you up. You've got some great podcasts that you've talked about your, you know, your struggles along the way and, and your background. And I didn't necessarily want to repeat that because it's already been done, but you've been very open and honest about, um, you know, injuries that you've had and, and tough times that you've had. And there was one time like in college where you, you know, you're running your dream for being a professional runner kind of came to an end abruptly and you had that dark night of the soul. But the one thing that you said is that that athlete inside, like it just never went away. Mm -hmm. It just never went away. And that's the thing is that if it's on your heart, it's never going to go away. Like you can only deny it for so long. So to, to wrap this whole conversation up, um, and I've really enjoyed hearing all about the, the race. Thank you so much. But to kind of wrap it up in a big way, if somebody's kind of got that internal compass that's saying like, no, go over here, go over here. But it's just, they're like, I can't, it doesn't make sense. How can I make money doing that? Like what, what do you, as somebody who's living that, Mm -hmm. what kind of words could you share with them? You know, it's, it's, it's this is going to sound so cliche, but <laughs> where there's a will, there's a way. Um, if it's something that has just been on your heart and mind for so long, ignoring it takes so much more effort than actually going after it. It's really hard to live in that way where you're denying yourself what I mean what I, you can just call your purpose you know and if that's something that's calling to you that really has to be your only option is to go after your purpose um it's who you are it's who you're meant to be don't be afraid of it it's going to be hard but it tell you what it's going to be so 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 worth it in the end that's beautiful. I love that. Um, and you've had a really good month. Congratulations on yeah, getting congratulations. married. So, yep. That's amazing. Yeah. I know you were nursing a little bit of a quad thing, but, uh, yeah. you know, that's just a little, that's a little molehill along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, did you in this whole, you know, quarantine time, mm -hmm. COVID times, all that stuff that we're going to forever know 2020 as to have a celebration like that? Was that just amazing to have your wedding to, to um to go through with it when so many mm -hmm. people are canceling it and saying uh another year yeah well we we planned it and then we canceled it and then we're like <laughs> screw covid we're doing it yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and so um we actually rented a lake house up uh on hayden lake and just had a kind of small get together with some other triathlete friends 
Uh, so it's kind of like a mini training camp. Um, <laughs> and some family came and uh, really this also gives us an excuse to have another party in like a year from now. So I think we're going to tentatively we're planning that um, just after the Coeur full, the Ironman Coeur d'Alene full. Yeah. And so you guys are around, you're invited. Oh, we are coming. We will be there. We'll be there. You're like, Sweet. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can come to our like one year party. That would be amazing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what's next for you? I don't know. <laughs> Perfect. Coeur d'Alene. Partying Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, um, I would love to get a spot to challenge Daytona. Um, I know it's going to be a bit of a stretch because of how um, the rankings are set up and who's getting to go, but I have my fingers crossed for a wild card. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, we're going to cross our fingers for you, mm-hmm. too. We'd love to see you there. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. And if we don't see you sooner, we're going to see you in Coeur d'Alene next year. Heck yeah. All right. <laughs> That's one of our favorite places. That was uh, our Hayden first Lake. Ironman. Yeah. We used to stay yeah. on Hayden Lake all the time. It's mm-hmm. such a p- special place. We're so back. psyched. Bringing back yeah. the They're bringing yeah. back the full. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All right. Awesome, Danielle. Thank you so much. Have all right. Amazing, thank you. Amazing rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And we will see you along the way. Thank you. 